Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Back in the day, there was a guy called Len Bias that got signed for the Celtics. Was supposed to have been better than Michael Jordan. And um, as soon as he got signed for the Celtics, went out party, drug overdose and died. Wow. Yep. Didn't know about yep, that. They, they had such big raps on this guy. Len Bias, if you have a chance to look him up, um, YouTube, he was an amazing player. And, uh, yeah, Boston Celtics missed out on a, a player that could possibly have been better than Larry Bird. Dennis Rodman, um, amongst the many crazy things he did, he fell over at you know, um, um, the baseline or the, the end of the court and sort of fell into the crowd and fell near a cameraman and was agitated in the moment and struck out and kicked the cameraman in the balls. Um, <laughs> and the subsequent... Four, and we, were, we were at that game. It was against Minnesota in Minnesota. Um, we'd spent, you know, half an hour in the freezing cold snow scalping tickets. Don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, he got suspended for 20, 20 games or something like that. But that was, you know, that was my American sport moment. Jordan played that game as well. That was why we went. But the highlight... But Jordan was... Subbed off, you know, before the end of the fourth quarter, uh, before the end of the third quarter, and they won by twenty points anyway. Um, but yeah, Rodman, Rodman stole the show by kicking the cameraman in the groin and got banned for twenty weeks or something like that. <laughs> He's come through. He stopped driving. Clado, fill me in. Good afternoon, staff. Yeah, it was an absolute circus, a fine cotton scandal. And even though you think it was only a few years ago, I think it was around 1984, 1983. Yeah. So. It's been a while since you tried anything like that, but there was a bit of a syndicate of guys. Hayden Haitana, the Kiwi, he was a trainer, and they thought they'd um, pull off this betting sting because Fine Cotton, he was pretty ordinary sort of racehorse. So they got this other chestnut horse, Fine Cotton being a chestnut, they got another chestnut that could gallop. They said, right, we'll set this up, we'll take this horse to Eagle Farm in a few weeks, and we'll have a betting plunge. And... Um, I think it was only about three or four days, two or three days, three or four days out from the race. Yep. The horse they had for the ring-in went sore. <laughs> so they, they couldn't start it. So they go, oh, instead of pulling pin, they go, oh, we'll grab another horse. So they grabbed a horse called Bold Personality. I don't know why I can never forget his name, but he was a big, dark bay horse. Yeah. Um, fine cotton being a bit red with white white socks. Um. So bold personality, they decide they'll go ahead with this horse. So they, they realise the night before, they go, oh, look, you know, it's got no white feet. We're going to have to paint. We're going to have to paint its feet. <laughs> so they, they were going to peroxide it. And they, they, this is how good they were. They forgot. So they get to the racetrack on the, on the Wednesday. I think it was a midweek meeting. They get to the meet at the racetrack and they realise, oh, we haven't, we haven't peroxided its feet. Get some paint. So they got some some just basic household paint on it was, and they painted as painted as like socks. Um, so of course the horse was a thirty-three to one chance. They had a hot favourite in the race, a favourite starting in the red. So they've backed this horse. They've come out of trees to back this horse, as they say. So it's open up about thirty to one. It's coming to favourite. <laughs> so I mean, this is you love to see these. Pl- Plunges, you know, any time of the day, but when it's happening right before your eyes, I mean, you want to you want to see get a bit of this and see what's happening. 
So anyway, the horse goes around favourite, and the horse was originally uh, favourite. I think he got out to about five to one, so he was second favourite. Well, they turn for home, and these two are having a ding-dong go all the way down the straight, and bold personality gets up and wins. But by this time, even the bookies out of state are going, hey, what's going on here? 33 of the $4, like, you know, what's going on here? You know, by fine cotton, like, not a very good horse. So the alarm bell's already in action. So, and, and you, you were quite right. When the horse came back to scale, because all the sweat and... Galloping is just done. The paint started to run. <laughs> and a couple of the pundits who probably missed out on the plunge because it's only a roar if you're not in it, they were standing in the bedding ring yelling out, <laughs> ringing, ringing. So, so it was doomed to failure. And, gee, there were death threats afterwards. I think one or two blokes went missing. But old Hayden, I think he survived. And real real strong racing family out of New Zealand. Pat Aitana, he was a really good jockey. So, uh. oh, what what a what a shame! And it went on and on. It was just it was great theatre, but yeah, and it was a whole book. It was a full size book on the story, and I, I just couldn't put it down. It was just amazing. It was it was simple. It was too simple. It was fraught. Yeah, and I think I did read the book a while ago. The memory ain't what it used to be, but all the other stuff that went along with it, like yeah. what I've just told you, was bad enough. But all the other things going on as well. It was my God. It was just. Yeah, one of the well, it's one of the infamous racing stories. It sure is. Thank goodness for the racing integrity unit, Clado. Too right, too <laughs> right. Yeah, you wouldn't get away with it now. All the brands are checked, even around Australia. You need to go to Kilcoy, and they're all official TAB meetings, so it's all pretty fastidious. And you wouldn't get away with it now. You'd be a brave man to even consider it. Yeah, you would. You would. Good stuff. Thanks for calling, Clado. Um, someone's texting, I don't know if I've told this story before, but the Ryan Tandy incident and his attempt to give a penalty away against North Queensland Cowboys. The fix unravelled. Uh, Mike, so the story goes, I was actually I was actually quite involved in that story at the time. And if I've told it and you've heard it before, apologies, I'll make it a little bit shorter than normal. Um, I was working at the TAB. We got a bet for $5,000... Now, um, yes, I got a bet, or a bet came through for $5,000 on the first scoring play in that game, and now Tandy played for the Bulldogs from memory. They were taking on the Cowboys, and the bet came through for the first scoring play being a Queensland, North Queensland Cowboys penalty. Now, very, very rare is the first scoring play in a regular season game a penalty, and I think it was priced $10.00. Eight to ten dollars first scoring play, five thousand dollars to win fifty, and I thought they've made a mistake. They probably want five, maybe they want fifty. So I accepted fifty dollars, not five thousand. I accepted fifty dollars, and you just type in fifty. I'll take fifty, and the bet cancelled. You can see that it cancelled. They whoever was buying it, and I know exactly the TV it was put in, and they cancelled it because I saw it came up cancelled. And then the 5000 came on again. I gave it 50 and it cancelled. And then the 5000 came on again. So I, while the bet was waiting to be accepted on my screen, I rang the TAB and I said, is there someone trying to put $5,000 on? He goes, I'll just double. He said, I'll just ask her. And that rang alarm bells, not sexist or anything, but it was just unusual that a woman would be putting $5,000 bet on a first scoring play being North Queensland Cowboys penalty. And uh, he said, I'll just ask her, and he heard muffled voices, yep, that's what she wants. And I said, she can't have it, she can have 50. 
and because I just smelled a rat straight away. So I jumped on the phone to a mate of mine that worked for a bookmaker in Australia, and I said, are you seeing any action on first scoring play penalty North Queensland Cowboys? And he goes, yeah, just now. Just now. It was 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and the game was that night. Um, and uh, I said, so am I. And he said, let me make some calls. He made a couple more calls to a couple of other bookmakers in Australia, all the same thing. At bang on, 3 o'clock New Zealand, 1 o'clock Australia, Everyone got hit at the same time. So we took the option. I took the option offline. You couldn't bet on it. And we had a few customer complaints saying, I want to bet on first scoring play. Where is it? And I said, oh, technical issues. Um, Technical issues. Uh, It won't be available. And then we watched. And we sort of worked out between New Zealand and Australia that there was about $500 had gone on it. So just to win five grand total. And uh, so I sat down and watched the game. And bugger me. Ryan Tandy, right in front of the goalposts, made a tackle on a North Queensland Cowboy and just lay on him, lay on him, lay on him, lay on him. Penalty. And I went, oh, you idiot. Idiot because they must have known we were onto them because we stopped taking bets and we took the option down. So they must have known that we were smelling rats. And um, Jonathan Thurston came up and we thought, oh, God, so he's going to do it. Uh, but there was a huge overlap out to the left. Thurston tapped it, passed it out wide, and they scored a try. So not only did we know that there was a fix in, but we also knew it didn't come off. <laughs> and we also knew that North Queensland weren't in on it as well because they scored the try. So their bet lost. We knew what they were doing. And then about an hour after the game, I got a phone call from the New South Wales police asking me, my information. And then they flew over to New Zealand, had a meeting with the New South Wales Police. Long story short, they were caught and they'd set it up that three o'clock New Zealand time, one o'clock Australia time, they had all of these people, this big network, going in and putting $5,000 on each, like spreading the risk. But we, we at the TAB, we would have held $500 on that type of betting option for a rugby league game, and here's one $5,000 bet. So, and it turned out that the person that was putting the bet on in Auckland was the sister of Ryan Tandy's flatmate. That's how it, that's how it came to pass. And I looked at the, the, you know, all the TABs and pub tabs, they've all got cameras in them. And the, the woman was sort of mid-twenties with a baby in a pushchair, <laughs> putting $5,000 on first scoring play. That's scandalous. And like, I, you probably were suspicious too that, You'd put money on a like they don't. No one takes two points. That's what I was saying in a game. Yeah, yeah, I saw you talking when I started it. Yeah, yeah. They, they just don't take a a, a nah, um, penalty nah. early on so, in the but, game. But why would if Tandy knew, like was in on it and had set it all up? Why would he do it? Not guaranteed that they're going to take the point, the two points. You know what I mean? Like, well, you just raise the percentage chance. What they forgot to do was <clears throat> fan their defence. Because I think they were going to take it, but Thurston looked out left. There was no one defending out left, and he just hoofed a huge pass out left, and they scored. I'm going to go watch it. Go watch it. Go watch it. See if you can find it. And the unfortunate thing is he was arrested. He was convicted. He went to jail, got out of jail, and not long after died of a drug overdose. He just couldn't get over. He got into the wrong crowd, and it was awful. And and it was his agent that masterminded it, or his manager or something like that, who was the brother of... 
another player. Yeah, it was a horrible story. It was it was crazy story to go through. But we need to talk about Erling Haaland, uh, 22 years old, <laughs> debut season, 22 years old, 14 goals in eight matches. This is an unearthing of monumental proportions. Well, I, I was privileged enough um, to be at the game against Crystal Palace when he got his first hat-trick of those those three home hat-tricks in a row in, in the Premier League. And I got to interview him afterwards. And, I mean, what an extraordinary individual. Not only colossal in his absolute size as he stood next to you, <laughs> but I reeled off a few stats to him. And, and his response was, yeah, my stats are good, aren't they? And he said, but I think assists, assists should count as well because, you know, don't just talk about my goals, talk about my assists. And I think what we saw... Uh, against Manchester United was we saw all sides of him. I think we also saw how he's becoming a better player under Pep Guardiola in some of his movement, his link-up play, and obviously the finishing is something we've known about for a long time. But, I mean, this guy is going to break every Premier League record in existence. I think there is absolutely no doubt about it. If you consider the first one, he's really kind of one of the hefty ones he's broken. Uh, It took Michael Owen 48 games to record three Premier League hat-tricks. Erling Haaland's done it in eight. I mean, that says it all. We are going to talk some ANBL. Now, it wasn't a game in Australia that has rocked the world of basketball. It was a game in America. And the Adelaide 36ers, not the 76ers, they're just 36, but they did a dance on the Phoenix Suns, who are one of the best in the NBA. Here to try and explain what is going on, our good ANBL friend uh, Liam Santamaria joins us. Uh, Liam, shockwaves in the basketball world. Yeah, they caused them yesterday, didn't they, the Adelaide 36ers? Absolutely spectacular performance. And they created history. First time an NBL team has ever beaten an NBA side. And they did it in pretty fantastic fashion. As you say, just draining threes from all over the floor. They hit 24 threes at nearly 60%. And they shocked the basketball world. And when you say threes, I didn't watch the game, but I watched the highlights this morning. Some of them were like two or three metres beyond the arc. It's, it's unmarkable. You're right. It, it was it was it was unguardable what they they started to do eventually. I mean, it began with Daniel Johnson early, and they weren't ridiculous shots. They were just quintessential Daniel Johnson mid-range and three-point looks where DeAndre Ayton did not want to come out and guard him in that space. And then it rolled on from there. Robert Franks and Craig Randall caught fire, and by the time the fourth quarter rolled around. Those guys were hitting shots from, man, way downtown. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the NBA three-point arc is already deep, and they were just shooting it from audacious places well beyond that range. So you're right. It was unguardable what they were doing, and it was a matter of whether or not those shots were going down. And they were just in that beautiful place that basketball players get to sometimes where they just could not miss. 
It is a massive warning shot to the other teams in the ANBL who all got underway in the weekend, um, and they would have been watching that and going, geez, when are we playing Adelaide? Because I don't really want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's already strong kind of um, excitement around that squad because they did some really cool things in pre-agency, uh, bringing in Antonius Cleveland and Robert Franks, and then a guy out of the G League in Craig Randall who has shown that he can get buckets. Um, so there was already a strong feeling that they were going to be a tough team to beat this season. But then to come over and, and do that, you're right, massive warning shot across the bow saying, yeah, we see you guys back home getting started on the NBL season, but we're coming for you when we get back in town. And in the meantime, we're getting things done over here across the Pacific. We haven't spoken rosters with you yet this season. Um, Sydney Kings, defending champions, massive roster changes for, for defending champions. They lost last year's MVP uh, in Jalen Adams. Um, they've gained a Pistons guard, Derek Walton Jr. He is an assist legend. What's early take on Sydney Kings? Uh, they're going to be really, really tough again. Um, you're right. They lost the best import trio in the league in Jalen Adams, Ian Clark and Jarrell Martin, onto big contracts elsewhere. Um, but they've reloaded nicely. Now, they've got a couple of Aussies on that squad in Xavier Cook and Dion Vasiljevic, who are high-level operators. And both of them will be, you know, thrust even more into the spotlight this season. Um, but they've brought in some nice pieces around them. And you mentioned Derek Walton Jr. He's a stud. He's going to be an absolute star in the, in the ANBL this season. 32 points and 8 assists on debut for the Kings as they got a win over Illawarra. Um, and the other pieces they've brought in, Justin Simon, former defensive player of the year, Tim Suarez, a big guy who can stretch it out to three-point range, look like they fit pretty well within that roster. So they're going to be right in the thick of things come the pointy end of the season once again, the Kings. Uh, both Melbourne teams, they've, they've signed some NBA experience. Uh, Melbourne United, I like this, this guy, Ray John Tucker, um, arrived in Australia and said, G'day, my name's Ray John. I'm NBL's best import. <laughs> He's highly quotable. Highly quotable. He said he also called himself Showtime. He said, I'm an entertainer. And uh, you're right. He, he said, I'm the best. He, he then went on just to give that a little disclaimer, which I liked, where he said, I'm the I, no, I'm the no other new import to the league ticks more boxes, which I thought was nice because it was a bit of a tip of the hat to Bryce Cotton, who's a legend of the league and still getting things done. But yeah, he's a highlight machine, Ray John Tucker, and um, yeah, Melbourne United, Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, those two Melbourne teams, despite plenty of changes to their roster over the off season, loaded with talent and both got off to winning starts in round one. We're talking to Liam Santamaria. He's the ESPN NBL analyst. Uh, before we go, breakers, um, really sad for Tom Abercrombie uh, with a detached retina or a torn retina. He's back home. He was actually on the breakfast show today and he's just got this big bubble in his eye that uh, he, he's not allowed to fly, but he's hoping he can play some home games, not allowed to fly for seven weeks. But looking at some uh, new cattle, uh, Jarrell Brantley, three years at the Jazz, not a regular starter, but he's a he's a two-metre player. And Barry Brown Jr., I was really impressed with him in their first hit-out. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a standout, Barry Brown Jr. Um, and you're right, he was really good in that overtime loss to Melbourne United. The, the other guy, you didn't mention that Derek Pardon mm. was 
was really good in their first game. He had a 20 and 10 double-double and, um, you know, he just plays that role as a pick and roll and a lob threat uh, really nicely. So uh, I, I like them this season, the Breakers. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by what they're going to be able to get done. Um, I know they came into that game with some sore bodies. Uh, Will McDowell-White, Barry Brown were you know, had some, some, some niggles and they weren't entirely sure whether those guys were going to play a day or two out from that game and they had a bunch of other guys who were sick throughout the week. So to come out, push Melbourne to overtime in that opening game, I thought was a pretty impressive performance and now they get ready for the much-anticipated home opener um, where they return to Spark Arena. So plenty of excitement around the breakers right now. And finally, uh, their coach. I hadn't seen him before. Have the Breakers now got the most animated coach in the league? <laughs> Without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> he's, uh, he's a ball of energy, Modi Mayor. He brought that kind of enthusiasm as an assistant the last couple of seasons. And, yeah, heading into the season, I said, Modi, are you going to just kind of, like, chill out and come down a little bit <laughs> as the head coach? And he said, oh, I just bring whatever's required. Liam and um, I think that that natural exuberance just just tends to flow out of him come game time Yeah I love to watch it. Hey Liam thanks for joining us today talking NBL we'll catch up again No worries, cheers. Brilliant ESPN NBL analyst Liam Santa Maria joining us there Yeah I quite liked what I saw from the breakers actually, didn't mind it at all We're going to play Mastermind are we Sam? Yes we've got Mastermind, it's the same one as yesterday, we ran out of time, it's the weekend of sport that's just been 0800 150 811, $100 lifestyle focus voucher is up for grabs for the highest score for the week, give it a go, 0800 150 811 Mastermind. 10 questions, one answer, can you crack the vault? Jeepers, I feel science fiction, Sam. You're like in a movie, staff. Yeah. Yeah. We have a new contestant, and it is Craig. G'day, Craig. G'day. How are you, Steph? Very well. Did you listen yesterday? Uh, no, but um, because I couldn't listen yesterday, when you were chatting about it at midday, I went and listened to the podcast. Oh. I did hear yesterday, All but right. I heard it today. So here's mm. your choice. As it's a carryover, $100 TAB bonus bet, you can either choose me repeating... Three questions from yesterday, which you obviously don't need, or you can have me twice if you want. Not compulsory, once in the first five of your questions and once in the second five of your questions. Yeah, I'll take you twice. All right. Very confident he knows the answers from yesterday. Okay. All righty. So we've got 10 questions. We had 10 yesterday. Uh, $100 up for grabs. $250 TAB bonus bets. We'll probably do five now, five before the news. Craig, what is your first question? Was it in South Africa? Mm. Yes. <laughs> I don't think he's going to take 10 questions. But they're, but he there, can. they're there for <laughs> he you. He can if he wants to. Use them all. Was it in the 90s? Yes. <laughs> Was it at the 1995 Rugby World Cup? Possibly, yes. <laughs> Not possibly, yes. 95 Rugby World Cup. Did it involve Jonah Lomu? Yes. Is that four questions? That's four questions. 
Steffi, you're up, man. Steph's going to ask a question here. This will be fifth. So the last question, then we'll take some news, and then I'm guessing we'll either you can ask five after the news, or you can just give us a guess. But Steph, what's your question? Did it involve Jonah Lomu? Um, did it involve Mike Cat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I reckon we got it, Steph. <laughs> I do. Too. Do we wait, Steph, or do we? Or do we just do it now? Um, no, nah, do it now. Okay. So you can either well, well, if you if you want to have a guess, I mean, look, if you get it wrong, Craig, then it goes to tomorrow, mate. So you're, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself, but it's up to you if you want to have a go at the winning combination. I tell you what, he's asked five questions, all yes. Yesterday, Dave, they've asked ten, nine no's. Mm, well, Dave got rid of a lot of them. Dave's yeah, helped you out here, Yeah, righto. Oh, Dave's helped me hugely. So are you going to have another question or are you going to have a guess? Yeah, um, oh, I want some more questions. So go to the news if you want. Okay, he's got oh, some more questions. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, he just wants okay. to. He just wants to make triple. You know, yeah, triple sure. Because if we go to the news now, it gets three minutes to look on YouTube the highlights of uh, the nineteen ninety five Rugby World Cup involving involving Jonah Lomu Mike Cat. It seems obvious, but I know how you operate. Yeah, Sam. that's right. I do throw people under the bus I from do time know to time. How you operate, yep. Sam Hewitt. We will resolve this with Craig from Tauranga. After the news, also after the news, going to find out what do horses eat? How do you feed them? I'm looking forward to that. That is with Paxton Condor from Dunstan Feeds. And uh, it's back in the day. There's more to come. More to come after the news. Been on hold. I'm, I'm intrigued what his next question is. The vault, uh, Craig from Tauranga is on the line. He said, Was it in South Africa? Yes. Was it in the 90s? Yes. 1995 World Cup? Yes. Did it involve Jonah Lamu? Yes. And then I chimed in with, Did it involve Mike Cat? Yes. Craig rejoins us. More questions or a guess? Oh, just one more question and then a guess. So, okay. I, I, I guess it's just. Like you said, you're always sceptical about how Sam's brain works. Oh, so, no. Um, oh, whoa, 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 Craig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> Let's keep this pleasant, please. <laughs> so my next question is, is the moment in question made iconic by Keith Quinn's commentary where he couldn't get words out? <laughs> now, you've asked a lot of things there. Well, uh, you just one thing. Well, maybe it's true that it involves Keith Quinn, but maybe it's not true that he couldn't get his words out. You know what I mean? It's a lot of Does elements. It involve an iconic Keith Quinn commentary moment. Correct. Yes. Okay, so let's go with one of. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay, go on. Just want to let you know what's at stake here, mate. If you get it wrong, we go to tomorrow. So just <laughs> keep that in mind. Okay, I'll still, I'll still have a guess. Okay, I'll still have a guess. So let's, let's go with one of Joan Lomu's four tries, Rugby World Cup semi-final All Blacks versus England over the top of Mike Cat when Keith Quinn almost sounded like having an orgasm <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what Craig let me punch that into the vault keypad and see if we've got ourselves a winning combination I'm just punching it in now 
Sounds like it's opening, Stash. Sounds like it's opening. New Zealand maintaining possession. Wide to Lamu. He's got the bounce. He's handing it off his opposite. Lamu. Muscle and pump. He's over for the early try. Two minutes into the game, Jonah Lomu. Well done. He's cracked the vault, Steph. Crack- our first vault cracker. You beaut. Cheers, guys. Appreciate that. Hey. No, I, I do want to shout out to Dave from yesterday because that, that, his question was a huge amount. He's actually texted through and said, bugger, I'm in 2G country because he's a wonderful truck driver and he couldn't, he tried to ring and he couldn't get through. <laughs> so what, yeah. so Craig, you came in pretty hot today, um, straight off the bat with the South Africa question. So what was it about yesterday that sort of sent you down that path? What, which questions well, were, I was guess, it? Uh, oval ball, not rugby league, not AFL, so it had to be rugby. Uh, wasn't in the 2000s, um, wasn't in New Zealand, wasn't in Australia. Um, so that kind of left South Africa really for, for decent rugby, the most iconic thing that happened. So if it wasn't Jonah, then I was heading for the Sean Fitzpatrick punching the ground, the All Blacks. Ah, uh, um, 1996. You know, so oh, I was kind of tossing up those two. Well, you could have even gone the, you mentioned Mertens, didn't you? Mertens, Stransky, drop um, goal. Yeah, I thought of the Stransky drop goal he might have picked, yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting yeah, because if you had said South Africa, right, and you you did know straight away that it was the Lomu thing, but you could have said South Africa, and then you could have said '95, and you could have said a World Cup, and it still would have been Stransky, and you True could have been both. thinking Lomu. So, yeah. um, so but, well, it could have been. Did it involve Jonah Lomu? And you could have said no. Yeah. Then you would have been stuffed, Craig. <laughs> well, yeah. That then then I, well the other thing, Rugby World Cup was Mark Ellis's sixth try. Yeah, um, I did but, contemplate yeah, that as well. Mm. Yeah. So, so there was a few kind of options, but yeah, getting a lot of yeses helped. Yeah. Well, look, there's a lot of a lot of valuable things in the vault, and Mark Ellis, uh, Joel Stransky, Andrew Murris, they might be in there somewhere. They uh, might be in there somewhere. Uh, somewhere. Before you go, Craig, uh, we've got a text message in from Dave who who tuned in yesterday. He said, "Well done, Craig. Here's my TAB number." <laughs> <laughs> well, good. If I if I get some winnings, I'll throw I'll throw some his way. <laughs> nice, nice. There we go. The love amongst the afternoons crowd. Well done, Craig. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.